You are listening to the Enormo Cast. In the south of France, there is legendary green pond, Le Verdon, Le Calanque, Seuse. But there is also the legendary wind, Le Mistral. A strong, cold, nearly ceaseless wind that can drive the people mad. But create condition parfait pour escalade. <laughs> uh, one moment. Let me put down my baguette and my cigarette. <sighs> ah, ouais. Now, La Sportiva has captured the masterly wind in a new shoe, the Mistral. Slightly downturned for precision, but also designed for performance and comfort. A sticky toe patch makes the Mistral an all-arounder for hooking and jamming alike. And let me tell you something. I have never slipped my feet into a more comfortable climbing shoe. Even performance snug, these things feel like stuffing your feet into a buttery croissant. But they climb way better than that, as croissants are much too flaky to ride any sort of edge. And forget about jamming. So if you're looking for a light, comfortable all-arounder, ride like the wind to Sportiva.com or your local shop and try on a Mistral and see if you ever want to take it off. Butter optional. Uh, excusez-moi, how did this croissant get on my foot? We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place outside of town. Very That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so, but we shall continue with style. Good weather, bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enorma cast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. It is February 29th, Leap Day 2024, and this is episode... 281 of the Enorma Cast, a conversation with John Hawk and Ty Liggins from Memphis Rocks. And unless you've been under a rock, <laughs> sitting under a rock, waiting for good condies to day flash the pit start of your project, you've probably heard of Memphis Rocks. Memphis Rocks is a gym in South Memphis, famous for its pay what you can, never turn anybody away model, among other things. But yeah, I ran into these guys up in Michigan when I was at the Michigan Ice Fest and asked them to sit down, talk about the gym, talk about trying to be a climber in South Memphis, what that all means, the road trips, everything else. You may know Ty, too, from Black Ice, if you saw that film in Real Rock a couple years ago. He was part of that crew. I don't know. Was John in it, too? I can't remember. Anyhow, 
Michigan Ice Fest. Yeah, that happened as well. I think uh, we did a pretty good little report over at the Runout, the other podcast. So if you want to know about the experience up there, you can go listen to that. But I do want to send out a thank you to the crew at Michigan Ice Fest for hosting me up there. Did a little event, hung around, made the scene. Unfortunately, all the ice was gone when I got there. They're having a particularly warm winter up there and the ice fell down, but nobody seemed to care that much. Well, they cared at first, but then they got over it and had a really good time. So thanks to the crew up there. Thanks to Bill for having me. And uh, I met a lot of new people, had a great time. So if you came up and said hi, or if we hung out till four in the morning, thanks for that as well. All right. Memphis rocks, inner city gym, South Memphis, providing climbing or introducing climbing to a segment of the population that don't normally have that opportunity. Maybe you've been there, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you've seen some of the media out there. Anyway, I wanted to get to the bottom of what that all meant. The uh, the good, the bad, the ugly of what it's like to run a gym in South Memphis. And I asked John, who is the manager of operations, basically uh, the guy that runs the gym, and he invited Ty on, which uh, I think is a really, really nice addition. Ty has a whole different perspective about climbing, I think, than most of us. So yeah, I hope you guys dig this one. And of course... John brings it up. I'll bring it up here. I'll bring it up at the end. They run mostly off of donations, donations from corporations, but also donations from uh, peoples, climbers like us. So if you do find this story interesting, or if you've heard of Memphis Rocks before and you think that they're doing cool stuff, go over there and donate something or get on a subscription, you know, three bucks even. Doesn't matter. You can pick any amount you want. With three dollars disappearing from your uh, bank account every month, would you even notice that? If there was like three dollars and change, like spread all over the ground outside, would you actually bend over and pick it all up? Even the dimes, you know, where you have to like really try to get your fingernail under them to to pick them up. Like it's linoleum. It's like perfectly smooth marble, and you're trying to scrape up these dimes. Would you even do it? How about pennies? What if it was 300 pennies? Like spread over like 50 square feet. Would you, would you do that? Or more? I mean, 10 bucks. Like most of us wouldn't miss 10 bucks a month. I know subscriptions add up. Maybe you give some money to me. A few people do monthly. But yeah, you get what I'm saying. A lot of people give a little and it adds up. Anyway, so that's Memphis Rocks, R-O-X, memphisrocks.org. They've got a uh, temporary kind of fundraiser going for some problems that happened recently. And they've got their kind of ongoing, always donation system. So go over there, check it out. Am I talking really fast right now? I feel like I am. am I, is it faster than normal? Who knows why? Let's just keep it going. All right, let's get to an interview with John Hawk and Ty Liggins from Memphis Rocks. When it comes to cams, nobody stays ahead of the curve like Black Diamond. And until their climber engineers get antsy again, they've settled on quite the quiver of active protection. On top of the heap are the ultralight Camelots, the lightest, baddest cams in the land. Then, the venerable C4s have been updated time and again to achieve near perfection in smooth handling and bomber security. And rumor has it that if you hold a red C4 up to the light of an Indian Creek blood moon and whisper, Camelot, 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 a sentient coyote will trot up and teach you how to ring lock at last. And finally, for the thin end of things, 
The SuperTech Z4s round out the rack all the way down to the wee little maybe I can fall but I don't really want to fall probably will hold but let's not find out number zero. The bottom line is nobody researches, redesigns, and continues to improve their cams like Black Diamond. So go to blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop and reward yourself with a couple new units for the coming season. You deserve it. Um, so yeah, so John, how hard do you climb? <laughs> Not very anymore. <laughs> Ty, can you put some numbers in front of us here? <laughs> v medium, okay. <laughs> no, that's just off the mic. Uh, we were just joking that uh, these guys had never been asked how hard they climb. So I thought I would open up with that. But yeah, I mean, that that's like kind of irrelevant, I think, to your mission, at least what you guys do at Memphis Rocks. and. And so um, I think it would be pretty off-putting to have that be the focus of an interview with you guys. So, But I do, I do want to get to like your, your personal climbing at least a little bit and your relationship to climbing, not just to the gym. So let me, let me just ask you that instead of how hard do you climb? Like the, the age-old and Norma Cass question is sort of what kind of climber are you, John? I started climbing a little late, later in life. I was like 23 and obviously like a gym climber in the beginning, um, mostly a boulder. And I grew up in Virginia, so I was lucky to have the New River Gorge close by. And so, yeah, early 2000s, just going out there every other weekend, getting on some boulders. And then uh, next step was, you know, getting out a little farther. So horse pens became my, my favorite place to, to climb and be and exist. So, um, so yeah, I would just say I'm a boulder and I used to be a lot better of a boulder in my younger days. <laughs> what happened? Well, a lot Life. of times when you uh, when you work at gyms, because you know I've been like managing and opening gyms for, I mean it's been close to twenty years now, and when you're in that space all day, five, six, seven days a week, you know, it becomes not about my climbing, but like how you're providing climbing for other people and seeing their excitement and stoke and getting them out there. Yeah. And it's hard. I, I work, I've worked in gyms too, and it's sort of hard to, to work all day and then turn around and put your shorts on and then go climb in there for the rest of the evening or whatever. Yeah, it's dinner yeah. time, man. Yeah, totally. Do you have a family? I do have a partner okay. with a child, oh, Okay, uh, but nothing biological. Right. Yeah. Still a family. It is. Yeah. By any definition. And some dogs. And some dog families. Yeah. Cool. And let me ask you, Ty, uh, about your affiliation with the climbing that you found at Memphis Rocks. I watched a little video, you know, that was kind of your story in terms of the gym, uh, finding it. But tell, tell us about that, kind of where you came from and your introduction to uh, finding out about rock climbing. Because I, I think that's sort of the crux of this gym is trying to show people that would never see it otherwise uh, what it is and what it can bring uh, to their lives. Yeah, um, so I come from Mississippi Delta, very flat place, not much hills or, you know, geographical landscapes in any type. So um, fast forward, I live in Memphis now. Uh, a few years ago, probably a few months after the gym first opened, uh, a friend of mine was coming from a competition and was telling me about it, like, yeah, there's a rock climbing gym, which is came from competition and I was like, what do you mean there's a competition at a rock climbing gym? 
So I went to go check it out the next day and walked in. I was just like, oh, wow. Like, there's a lot to do here. So kept climbing and then fast forward a couple months, started working there. Fast forward a couple of years and now I'm the head coach there. So the head coach. Yeah. And the course setter as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So let, let me, well, John, I, I think he's leaving there? out some, some details here because when, when he said he was interested in, in route setting, um, we had tried to figure out like, well, you know, if there's something you're into, let's, uh, let's get you to come in here and volunteer a little bit and learn some things. And this dude was there every day, all day, helping our route setters and like learning. When most people say that, they may come like once a week, right? But I was kind of personally getting tired of them at that point. <laughs> so let me go a little deeper. I don't know if, 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 you've, uh, if you've explored this at all in your own head. You know, I, I worked at a gym in, in Los Angeles years, like 20 years ago. And people would come in just out of curiosity, look around, maybe be like, this is neat, weird, I don't know, leave, never come back. You know, more often than not, right? Because it was, you know, it was in the era when gyms were kind of this crazy thing and nobody knew what they were, like the general public. So what is it about you, do you think, that led up to that point where you came in and it it fired in your head and it didn't, you weren't just like, oh, this is cool for other people and I'm going to go back to what I was doing before. Like, what led up to that, do you think? It was definitely the way uh, Rocks is uh, based on Pay What You Can. Because, you know, most activities, you go bowling or golfing, these all cost like either a membership or a daily price. So at that time, I was not making enough money to afford to go, you know, let's say I wanted to go bowl every day. That would have been far more expensive. But being able to just go to Rocks, donate a dollar or two, I was like, dude, I have something that I can do every day. This is almost like a, you know, public park, you know, like. There's a space where I can go and hang out and chill, eat, and do something every day. So I think that's also like part of what led me to continuously go there. So it was either climbing or bowling. That's what you're what you're saying. No, it's just, you know, like <laughs> no, just, any any other yeah, hobby you totally, try to get yeah. into with like an attraction. <laughs> right, right. It's just, you know, it's not as easy to just go do it on a daily basis. Right on. Yeah, cool. No, it's, it was a it was a good uh, kind of a desperate analogy that bowling. I never been like, yeah, either bowling or climbing. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, the cost, the price to do any activity. Yeah, I mean these are all businesses um, that you know need to cover costs. But that's kind of what we'll get to with Memphis Rocks being being very different from that. Well, what do you bowl, Ty? <laughs> I'm I'm a decent bowler. All right. Really. Very soft, decent. <laughs> okay. Very soft, decent. You have a hook. You know? If I, if I, you know, give me like two weeks of consistently bowling. Yeah. Last time I went, I put the bumpers up. Nice. Yeah. Now I'm not opposed to playing with some bumpers. <laughs> if we're just trying to kick back, and have a good time. I'm. <laughs> yeah. I'm down to put the bumpers up. <laughs> <laughs> that's an, an interesting analogy too, putting the bumpers up, because in in some ways that's what climbing gyms do for for rock climbing. But let's get to this non nonprofit thing, this 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 model of Memphis Rocks. Um you're you're the like general manager, manager of operations. The director of yeah, operations. Director of, yeah. yeah, so tell me about that. I mean th- this this model, this how we got to get into how it works. You've got this place that's pay what you can, don't turn anybody away. 
but it's also, you know, it's a facility that has costs. So, uh, yeah, a lot of yeah, costs. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, yeah, let's and, talk about the philosophy and then we'll get to the nuts and bolts maybe of, of what the, uh, how it's run. I guess as far as the philosophy is, was creating a space in an underserved neighborhood and city, right. To create a recreational outlet, but it's more than just a climbing gym. You know, it's, it's not just about our, our pay what you can structure to actually climb. It's about the community service. And when thinking of like the cost to operate our organization, the additional costs that we're always having to fundraise for are those community outreach and service programs, right? It's not really the climbing portion that we're having to, to worry about too much, if that makes sense. I guess really the question is, is kind of philosophically, but also why? I mean, it, it, you weren't the founder. Um, yeah. We could talk about, uh, is it Tom Shack? How do you pronounce it? Shadiac. Yeah, Tom Shadiac. But of course, you're familiar with the history and you've been there a while. So like, just tell me a little bit about this idea. I mean, gyms are popping up everywhere. There, there are these big, they're becoming these big conglomerations and, you know, outside money, they have to make profits. It's all this whole thing. And, and here you are in this environment where you're sort of going the opposite direction. Like, um, I mean, what was on Tom's mind? What was on yeah, everyone's yeah. mind so, when this, this well, went down? First off, rock climbing is supposed to be a bit of a like rebellious activity anyways, right? And, you know, being in the climbing industry so long, we've seen it kind of turn a little bit non-rebellious, you know, uh, a little bit more corporate, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but so Tom, you know, his, his family helped found uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And so he has ties to Memphis, and then he also found some success in Hollywood, writing and directing some pretty popular movies, and started teaching these like film classes um, at University of Memphis and also at Lemoyne Owen College, which is an HBCU, which is actually right across the street from the gym. And what he found uh, was there wasn't there wasn't much for youth and young adults to do in South Memphis. And uh, one of his students in his Lemoyne Owen class was shot and killed just walking to one of the corner stores uh, about a block away. And he's like, well, we got to create like a safe space um, for, for the folks in this neighborhood. And most people in Memphis, I mean, it's like a basketball city and there's basketball courts everywhere. And he was like, well, I want to do something that's different. And he had like, I guess he'd been climbing for a couple of years and uh and wanted to do something just completely different and so his his main idea was a rock climbing gym and he had taken some folks from lemoyne owen college um and his university of memphis class to colorado to do some outdoor climbing and some gym climbing in nashville and asked everyone like you know is this something that you think this city needs and they all said yes and then he was like well you know, folks in this area are not really going to be able to afford these prices. So we're going to, we're going to do a different model and we're going to make it pay what you can and we're not going to turn anybody away. And uh, that's just how it started. Yeah. Literal space to be inside to, but uh, mm -hmm. still being, doing something physical as opposed to an outdoor basketball yeah. area. And, and then also it being a food desert, um, you know, he wanted to have uh, a healthy food option inside. So we have a, we have a juice bar inside that we uh, serve healthier options. Right. Mm -hmm. And how did you get involved? I mean, and, and, and was it just, 
a work opportunity? Were you drawn to the idea? Like where, where did you come into the, to the program? Uh, I mean, there's a few variables. So I used to own a gym in Gainesville, Florida, and we had a sinkhole that destroyed the building and I had lost everything. I guess that was 2012. And so then I had moved up outside of Charlotte to help some folks open a gym. And, you know, that area just wasn't for me. And then my best friend had died and kind of unexpectedly. And so I've had a good friend, uh, Kurt Smith, who's been in the industry a very long time. Um, He came and we were chatting and I was just like, look, I'm looking for something that's a little bit more meaningful. And a week later, he called me, said he met some folks out at the outdoor uh, retail show that are doing this thing in Memphis. And it's going to be something different and uh reached out and uh about a month and a half later moved to memphis to help start the thing and i think throughout all my time in the industry i've always had a passion for more so like the socioeconomic side of things like man people like so many people would enjoy this activity and sport and lifestyle if they could afford it and so i don't know i was just super stoked to uh, be a part of something that was like going to break down that barrier. And what did you find in the gym, Ty? Like when you, you know, you, you, you showed up and got into it right away and thought, okay, this is a place I can hang out. But what else like to, to draw you in as deeply as you've gotten? I mean, you're here in Michigan with the crew, like you're, you're, you're a total sort of block in the building of, of Memphis rocks now from just a guy that walked in. Um, so what'd you find in there that, that like compelled you so much to, uh, to get that involved, to show up every day, as John said, you know, annoyingly banging on the door in the morning when it wasn't open yet or whatever, (laughs) whatever it was. It was never me. (laughs) No. Um, it's hard to say what I found, uh, peace above all. Cause the more I go to different gyms, the more I'm just like. Wow, our gym really is like complete like it's just very different. I don't know if that's because like not just in South Memphis, which is where the gym is, but just like in Memphis in general, you just don't find many places that attracts people of like not just different ethnicities, but uh just different interests, but all, you know, like like to climb or to do physical activities. There's no one way answer to that question i found a lot of things for sure but um i would say i definitely found peace to sum it up well let's go at it from your direction john what do you think you provide that draws a kid's like uh i mean not a kid now i don't know how old you were when this all went down but uh everyone looks like a kid to me that's like you know in their 20s or whatever um what do you think you provide what do you think what do you think the the sort of uh bug zapper kind of draw these people in feel to uh to Memphis Rocks when when somebody like Ty does light up and and says this is my space. I don't think that I personally provide anything but working on like getting the resources needed to like operate the place. I mean, I think the the staff provide a different energy even when they're having bad days. You know, I know a lot of people in the industry that have come in town to visit the gym and Every one of them says that when they walk in the door, there's like a different energy. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, with our frontline staff, you know, they, they just bring it and it's just, 
most of them are not from a climbing background, so it's just always going to be a different experience than than other climbing gyms. I guess I do provide some years of like outdoor experience, you know, like when we take crews out climbing, you know, it's it's providing some education. Mhm. And in the gym. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it's funny cuz this is sort of this beacon, I guess. I mean, if you're in climbing at all, you know, even with a little toe in the industry, you sort of know about Memphis Rocks. You you know about what's going on down there and how different it is and but it's also like it, I'm sure it's not been the easiest thing to do. Um, I don't know how long you've been there and what the learning curve has been with with what you know the model was in the beginning. If it stayed, if it stuck, if you had to make changes. I mean, it is in you know South Memphis, and that comes with its its own problems. So, can you talk a little bit about that? About a learning curve, about what maybe like the things you've had to sort of deal with to keep it going versus you know I mean it's you know, it's, it's not like it's perfect. I can't imagine. I mean, you have, yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. it's nowhere near perfect. Uh, <laughs> so tell me about like the learning curve as you've taken the job and as it was founded and what kind of things did yeah. you run into that were I mean, trouble? And, the f- and did the, you know, also one last thing is like, did the neighborhood accept it? Somewhat at first, it's taken a lot of time to right. like build, build some trust. But I mean, it's probably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. And I mean, you know, I was in college for eight years too, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's been, it's been difficult, but also like like the most rewarding thing, mm-hmm. you know, that I've done or been a part of, but, you know, I think we went into it pretty naively. Like we, yeah, you know, we've got this pay structure that we're going to do, but we were going to like operate it like a, a normal climbing gym. And then that changed, you know within the first couple of weeks and part of that is the neighborhood in and the city that we're in and then um not having that trust yet but you know like we had to buy some extra lockers and some extra security cameras and uh and be a little bit more like vigilant about what's going on in the facility and we had to get rid of the cubbies and things like that but I don't want anybody to look at that as like a negative or like, oh yeah, well that's why you shouldn't have done it there. It's like it's why we're there, because um, you know there's reasons why people do things that we would consider bad, right? right? And and we're there to learn and figure out how we can change those things. So yes, it's been a challenge, but like I said, that's that's why that's why we're there. But other than that, um, you know, I think the the biggest challenge we've we've run into pretty consistently would be would be funding to to operate. The first year or two, um, while we were building some trust, there were more things happening that make it a challenge to operate. Um, but it's it's certainly died down. Mm-hmm. Um, a pretty sizable portion of our staff have either grown up in the neighborhood or went to college in the neighborhood and have, have sort of helped with that. But I still will say that like, it's still not a hundred percent trust. And we're like always trying to figure out how we can, we can improve it and not trying to bring like the climbing culture or even what you could call like a white culture and just like forcing it down somebody's throat, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting idea because it's, it, it could be perceived like that. Certainly, you know, this, uh, this 
sort of white savior thing or whatever it happens to be to come in and, and help all these people, you know, and, and raise them up or whatever. So you probably have to like, just walk this line of like, we're here, we're providing this thing, not too pushy, not too like dropped in and, you know, crush something else that was there. Like, how do you, how do you think about that philosophy of, of how you interact with this idea of, of coming into this underserved community, but you know, but what are we, how do we just become part of this neighborhood and, and part of the fabric versus this thing that's, I think stands out as something different. I don't know how to answer it. I mean, it's just always like a pretty difficult balance because like you said, the white savior complex, like, you know, I don't ever want to be accused of that, but I can't say that I haven't been guilty of it too. Um, I don't know, asking questions like, you know, there's uh, a couple of staff from the neighborhood that, you know, we, uh, we have some, some outside conversations about how, like how it could be perceived or what we can do better, or how I'm screwing up or the organization or anybody, you know, mm-hmm. but these days there's, there's other people in other positions that kind of, take that stuff on more than i do i mean do you have people who are like specifically in in charge of outreach or is that part of your your sort of we, we've uh, had thing? some folks in that yeah. in that role um you know being a nonprofit and and all of the different things that we do it's it's been hard for some folks to just focus on just that but we do have a a new person in that's like really taking charge on that so over the next you know few months to a year i think it's going to be a pretty different ball game well it's interesting because it to like in the industry you know so i'm in colorado and i pay attention and you know it's this really great image and we're all just like yeah those guys are down there great thing and i screw up all the time yeah but i also but i also started to wonder well then you know i don't really have any idea what you know and i'm almost in my head looking at as like concentric circles of of your of your sort of influence and i'm like well what's the influence in the in the closest concentric circle in this neighborhood that i have you know i have no concept of what life is like there because i'm a i'm a dumb suburban kid you know and that's and that's really the crux of it right is that you are in that place and it doesn't matter what i think it doesn't matter what you know the people out here in the climbing world necessarily think it really matters what those people think yeah you're right and i think you know sometimes when when people criticize what we're doing they're also not from that space which you know creates a whole nother set of challenges but um but you know that's why like we we didn't do all of the all of the like outreach programs that we do now in the beginning and a lot of those came from people living directly in the in the community and saying that this is like what we're lacking and we did our best to provide any resources that we could for that so Ty, um, you know, when I, when I was a kid, like I, I grew up in this suburban neighborhood in Chicago, like not like take the word Chicago out of it. Cause we were, we were really far North and, and I was as a kid, I'm in, I'm, I was super into the outdoors and I was super into, um, like outdoor survival. Like I like to go out into the one little chunk of woods we had. Um, and I would build shelters and I would like try to start a fire with just like sticks and you know and and all that thing but even at that age and I was probably like sixth seventh grade I knew not to tell my friends about it because 
it was weird and it was out of the ordinary and it wasn't what you were supposed to do. And I would literally sneak off and do it. Were you still playing with like G.I. Joe's in sixth and seventh grade too? No. No, were you? Were you into those still? <laughs> I, I think it was more like Star Wars toys. Yeah, but, but that was cool. To me. Well, yeah, what I was doing was not cool. And I kind of knew, like I had friends that was into it, but I just didn't generally tell everybody. And I was, I'm just kind of wondering like if your, this, uh, this attention to rock climbing resonates with your friends and do people like, oh, that's cool. Or people like, you know, why aren't you out doing what we do? I mean, why aren't you, why aren't you playing basketball with us? I mean, you probably do, but like, why aren't you focusing on these things that we focus on? Why are you being weird? Why you got to go to that place? That's, that's, I mean, do you get that? Does it come out of the neighborhood? Does it come out of your peer group at all? Um, I've pretty much, so within like the first year of me starting to climb, I was, yeah, I was telling all of my friends as most new climbers do, like, oh my God. A few of them tried it out, but they were like, oh yeah, that's fine. But it's like, eh. And so, yeah, I do think they're like, kind of like, you're so weird. You're always just going to these random places and going climbing and stuff. And it's just like, but not in the, in a weird, I accepted way. You know, yeah. it's like, not many of my friends outside of climbing circles mm-hmm. care to go climbing or, you know, go travel and do it or whatever. I wouldn't say they find it weird. More just like, oh, yeah, that's his thing. That's cool. Yeah. That, those are good friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was just kind of curious about like what the influences are on you outside the gym to, to you know, not climb or to do anything else if it's been, if it's been any sort of problem for you. I will say I am that one peer pressure climber who's just like, yeah, you should come, you know, you should come over here to this place with me. It's beautiful. Even if you don't want to climb, it's hikes nearby, whatever. I am the one who's always trying to like peer pressure my friends to go outside and do some stuff. But sometimes it works. A lot of times it don't. What do you think, John? I mean, do you, what do you believe about this climbing thing? Like we joked about bowling, right? Why not bowling? Why not golfing? Why not? whatever else like what's the spark other than your own interest in it you know on the website it talks about this metaphor you know of overcoming challenges and things which is which is nice and and it's good copy and and uh but then do you, you know what do you believe about that in terms of uh of the way climbing works because it's like you know the last few years we've been doing i think the industry's been doing this outreach thing this this uh bring in these underserved communities communities that don't typically come and find our sport on their own i mean ostensibly because we believe it's good and we believe it has these these qualities that that make people i don't want to say better but but change their lives sometimes i mean we all kind of have that in our hearts but then at the same time i'm like well why who cares like if they want to go climbing they can go climbing and if they don't they don't you know we could provide an outreach program that pays for their 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 tea times or whatever what, what is it called your i guess yeah your whatever fee you have to pay at golf i don't fucking know um, <laughs> i think it's a tea time yeah yeah <laughs> you know you could do that we could provide a we could start a golf course that it's like pay as you go or whatever but we didn't we started a climbing gym because we think it's going to do something special for these people what's your belief in that well i think like like climbing's like inherently team building and it is an access point to relationships but i mean I guess, I mean, you're right. Like, you know, you can have conversation on a golf course or at a bowling alley, mm-hmm. but I think it's a little bit, maybe it's a little bit different 
when there's like some sort of danger involved, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But mostly it's because like, I don't know, I like climbing and there was an opportunity to do this. So might as well like spread that love. But uh, I mean, I guess when you really look at it, you're right. Like why, why didn't we do a indoor driving range or something? Like, I don't know, because we all like climbing. And <laughs> I think also like there's a bit more adventure involved too, because you know, when we take trips cross country and things like that, it's, it's not just about like, Hey, we're going on this long drive to, to go climbing. We're also stopping at the grand Canyon or like, I don't know, doing things that like, that even I wouldn't normally do. So we're having like first experiences like together, but also climbing is like way more fun than all that other stuff. So, so why not climbing? What about you, Ty? I mean, how much do you buy into like, you know, I'm here trying to like draw this this deep conversation out and, and, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, sort of the social impact of a place like this. How much of that is in your head or are you just like, Hey man, I like to climb and, and, uh, and I want to be a part of this, but do you think about those things? Do you think about sort of changing the way people's lives are going in your neighborhood, changing the neighborhood, changing, uh, lives of the kids you coach, that kind of thing. Like, is, is it the deep thoughts that you have about what you're doing? Yeah, I do think a lot about, because I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, just, like, the different, not, like, outside of the climbing interests, the different interests that the gym brings together in people. And it's just, it's always unique to see that happen in pretty much in any gym, just seeing different people who otherwise wouldn't ever have met each other or come together in a space. Just seeing them come together and find other common interests in each other that's, you know, has absolutely nothing to do with climbing. That's something I also enjoy. Because, yeah, you can always find a climber and sit there and talk. You know, we were talking about earlier, we can sit there and talk about V-grades and stuff all day. But it's even more interesting when you come across somebody that you met at a gym or at a crack and you find out that you both have something that has absolutely nothing to do with climbing that you find that and you find off of that. So just seeing relationships like that come about throughout the gym has definitely been an impact. Well, I think back to the, like, why climbing, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, um, one of one of the guys that, that works with us uh, now in, like, outreaching and outreach and, and fundraising, um, his name's Jermond, and he, he grew up right behind the gym. And some folks took him... I don't remember exactly where they went outdoor climbing, but uh, they ran into some other folks as we always do at the crag. And like, he had never met these people before. It's his first time outside. And they invited him to dinner at their house. Right. So like, I would challenge people to find stories in a bowling alley or a golf course of like, you know, you ran into people and then now you're having dinner with them. So I think overall, like climbers and climbing culture is a bit more like accepting and communal and uh wants to do things together even if you just met 20 minutes ago well i want to also build on that risk idea because i i think it's not you know it's sort of a perceived risk especially in a climbing gym but that trust thing um this i and we take it for granted after you've climbed for a long time that you literally have someone's life in your hands when you're lowering them yeah like we don't think about it that way but it's it's a fact yeah that if you if you screw up they either get hurt really bad or die and it's funny because i i think about like 
the the responsibility of that and how I don't even like the basis of it is this incredible responsibility, but I don't even think about it anymore. It's just routine that you lower somebody off the climb or you catch them when they fall. Yeah. And, um, and I think that factor, be, because I forget about it in a way, it's more important because when you think of, of a beginner at the top of a wall for the first time looking down and they're and, scared shitless and they're scared shitless and they, they don't, and then if they're in a class, they're like with somebody they've never, they just met. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a heavy experience that we've for, I've forgotten about, you know. Yeah. But those folks in that class also walk away from that class climbing together even though they didn't know each other, right? Right. Yeah, and I think yeah. that like little thing that you mentioned is is a spark in this thing that we do that we we forget about and yeah. but it's like a really heavy experience. I mean, do you do you remember fear or or, or like because you're sort of a newer climber than we are? I mean, yeah. not sort of, you're a newer <laughs> climber than we are, even though you've been doing it for a while. I mean, do you remember that feeling of like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm supposed to hold this rope and I'm supposed to what now? Like when you came into the gym? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the way, if you've never been to Memphis Rocks, uh, when you walk into the gym, you immediately see the bouldering area. And then you have to walk around this little corner uh, to see the rope area. So I walk in, I see the bouldering area, I'm like, wow. Then I walk around the corner, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is tall. Like, it's like 45 feet, 45 to 50 feet tall. So I'm just like, oh, all right. And even when I still sat on ropes, like I still get, you know, little butterflies in your stomach or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think it's that fear factor that makes me want to conquer it. You know, it's like, dang, this is going to be scary. But, you know, I can do this. Let me let me just rope up, check all my safety points. And so, um. Do you guys have auto belays? We do not. Okay. Have you ever been on auto belay? I I've, <laughs> I hate auto belays. Every time I go, I have to do the thing right. The first time I let go, it's, I look down and check, yeah. check, 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 and check again. I'm like, and there's that <laughs> that like half a second yeah. drop. And it's, nah, it's the worst <laughs> feeling. Um, yeah, I I don't really like to be on auto belays. All right on. <laughs> But you know everybody has their thing, right? And they it serves its purpose, mm -hmm. auto blaze. But yeah, no, I like them once I get. I just have to do the fall the first time every yeah. time, and then I'm then I was just on them the other day, and I actually realized that I had this epiphany that auto belay actually puts us back to the 1980s when you weren't allowed to hang dog. Because That's I fair. Yeah. I try. I was working on. I was working this climb on an auto belay, which I'd never actually done. This just happened to me two days ago. I'd never. I I was just used them to run laps. And I was working a route and it was kicking my ass because I was getting halfway up and I couldn't do the move and I'd come all the way back down to the ground and yeah. then I'd get back and it, I, you couldn't even hang there and like grab the holds after you fell and check them out. And it was like this, I mean, Ty, you probably don't really know what I'm referring to, but it, there was an age in climbing when you couldn't, it was like against the rules to hang out and check the holds. And Yeah, the guys you, that, that <laughs> taught me how to climb, yeah. like if I... <laughs> If I fell, I'm coming down to the ground and trying it again. It's like, damn, man, I just let me let me just see what's up there. Yeah, and that's the way I was. I I was the other day. I was like falling. I'm like, no, 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 and I'm like, oh crap, I gotta yeah. go up there and check those holds. Out. So then I started climbing this five nine on the same rope to get up to the holds, but that was pumping me out too. It was, I was I had this kind of revelation. I'm like, this is actually pretty rad. Like <laughs> I'm being forced to like climb in this whole different way because of this stupid audible. I won't won't let me hang up there. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I have a new perspective on how to use autoblaze. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. It, it was great workout. I was, I was wrecked having to re-climb the thing to go up and try this move again. Um, bouldering on an autoblaze. I recommend it as a, tra- <laughs> as a training technique is yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> Let's get, I mean, I, I kind of like still fascinated about this, like this thing popping up in this neighborhood. In this pay structure thing, and I mean, do you ever find people like taking advantage of it? And I mean, and how, so, and how do you decide? Because you're like, I want to be welcoming, but yeah, and everybody can come in, but like, I think that guy could probably afford to pay. I think we have these discussions a lot, <laughs> all the time. But the time. Um, I would say that the majority of people do not take advantage right, of it. Right, that's the game, uh, right? The majority, you're just like, yeah. There's always going to be the outliers. Yeah, and we yeah. we just want to trust people as much yeah. as possible until they give us a reason not right. to trust. But, um, but like. It's okay. Like yeah. they're in the space, right? right? And that's that's really what what matters. Um, but then again, what what do we say to them when we know that they're taking advantage? Like then now we're profiling, right? Right. So uh, it's a tricky line to to be on. I was just talking to a, a, this morning. Actually, was, I'll just say I was talking to Josh Warden, um, and he's he's a Patagonia guy, and Patagonia's got all their own ways in which they're trying to kind of do what you guys do well yeah they they need to give us some money too okay (laughs) yeah put it out there uh patagonia come to the table sell a couple more fleeces and and give memphis rock some some dough but um other companies have these mentorship programs or um whatever else they're doing uh but you guys seem to be at this like very base like literally street level um of trying to introduce people to climbing um, oh, shoot. Just to update you, he does not want a fresh towel. Uh-oh. All right, so anyway, uh, so tell me a little bit about the beyond the gym, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, because you go beyond just like getting the people to walk in and, and find rock climbing. Talk about what you do beyond what goes on inside the gym. You know, the first couple of years, it was all about the gym, getting people in, uh, lowering the barriers to get in, some outdoor trips, and the juice bar, just feeding people at at some points of pay what you can, other times reduce prices because, you know, you lose a lot of money with food when, when you have a pay what you can scale. So we haven't really dialed that one in as, as much as we want to. But it was really uh, once COVID hit, kind of changed the the path of our organization and we started getting a bunch of like you know the cities are shut down and people didn't have access to like a lot of food uh, and household essentials and so we started making these care packages and then we also had this uh grant that we were able to give out produce boxes they were like 20 pound boxes like i think we gave out like 5000 boxes or something of uh of food fresh produce and from there this idea came like well why don't we do this all the time and so we created the community closet um and so it's a it's like a little store on our campus that's open once a week um and people can get household goods and uh like clothing and things like that for like at least like a wholesale cost and 
we started a free lunch program during the COVID shutdown as well. And we've still continued that, uh, giving out like sack lunches. And uh, now we're doing like these hot soups. And then we've always had the after school program as well. That's always been free for any of the youth coming in. Um, we started a period power program where we, uh, we distribute pads and tampons. Um, and now we're the biggest distributor in Memphis of those products. And we, we did have the youth team from day one as well. Um, you know, and it's always been something that we've tried to get more of the like non-traditional youth team members. And I think ever since Ty's taken that over, it's really starting to, uh, it's starting to improve mm-hmm. in that, like the, the missional side of things there. The hell else do we do, Ty? We got a we got a garden that we grow some food uh, to kind of offset juice bar costs and try to teach people. And then we have the volunteer program, you know, neighborhood cleanups and any other events that we may need some some help with. I always leave out like a few. I mean, programs. it's look, it's kind of amazing that you are doing so much shit that you can't even remember it all. To be honest with you, like that, it's you know, because that's something right now. I'm just like, what? Because I'm, I'm thinking, okay, we got this rock climbing gym where we, we're giving out rock climbing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But now you just, you know, you just like added 20 different things to that. And uh, I mean, and, and t- you know, that becomes like 20 different trouble points for how to run these things. So you guys are, I mean, you guys are, t- it's a huge plate that's full. Yeah. it's a, And like, you know, I I do wish we had more resources because we could do all of those things better, right? Right. You know, we hear we hear something, and we're like, oh, well, we got to figure out how to like how to make it happen, and then, you know, some some of them we just struggle to, uh, to be somewhat successful in that that service. Um, like I'll give you an example. Like we wanted to start a transitional housing program because we have. Uh, a lot of folks without homes mm-hmm. that are in the gym getting coffee or the sack lunches who don't care about the climbing. No. Yeah. No. And, but yeah. So right. what? Right? right. Exactly. I was just, yeah. It's just an interesting thing that you wouldn't, ex- you know, people come into a gym anywhere else just to rock climb or to yeah. look at it and then yeah. leave. So you've got this whole different community that's yeah. also in the gym with the climbers, getting the food, the coffee, yeah. you know, using the showers. Yeah. Um, and, so we bought this house like right behind the gym with these like big ambition of creating this like transitional housing and then turning it into like a pay what you can uh, home purchasing thing. Right. So like somebody like lives there, manages the house while some other people are kind of in and out. And then we would help that person buy that house and then we'd buy another one, you know, and like kind of like a like I said, a pay it forward home purchasing. So that way, like home ownership is in the community rather than outside people buying the properties. And you know that was a little bit more than uh, <laughs> than we uh, we thought it was gonna be. You're like, yeah, so we're still... it's a great idea. Let's do this. Yeah, all right, let's go do this. Yeah, and so <laughs> and you like, know, well, I mean, we we right. own the home, right. and you know, there's an employee living there. Right. But it's like, man, we got to like take a step back and like figure out what the hell are we gonna do now. Right. Um. So it's things like that. But you know, with more resources, we would have had the right person in place creating that program because i didn't know shit about it yeah i was about to say you're good at building gyms sleeping you know right here right so let's like figure something out but uh but you know we'll we'll get there right um i feel like we're like missing something gardens cleanups housing uh after school food team 
we we provide space as well uh like one of the newer things oh shit we're a polling station oh so like people from the neighborhood come to our gym to vote okay and that shit's awesome and we were pretty stoked because our like our first one was the the 2020 election (laughs) but uh so we also um when we have the resources because we're doing like local state and federal elections and like we like cut up like some of our like chicken wraps from the juice bar and like make little smoothie cups and coffee so like while people are waiting they're actually like you know they're having like a cool experience so that's i don't know i think i think a lot of us are pretty proud of that one and we did hear that we've increased voting in the neighborhood because of that easy like access and then we also like we have a pretty big campus so one of the newer things we have this organization called the uh, CSA in Memphis that helps people. It's like utility assistance. So now there's like a space for people to come and like talk to that organization and get like the, the resources they need to keep the power on. We do like medical screenings, the university of Tennessee, like they, they have a medical school in Memphis and they come and do like blood pressure stuff, COVID tests. I think, I don't think they've given like flu shots and stuff, but I don't think we've actually done like any kind of shots or medications, but, um, and just trying to like educate some people like how to improve their health and like AIDS testing and, um, just, I mean, anything and everything. We just try to like share information. But let me ask you about these, like these climbing trips. You actually said earlier, you're like, yeah, we go out and like, you do things like stop by the Grand Canyon and you, and you looked at Ty. Were you, were you on that trip? <laughs> I was yeah. the main influence and <laughs> pretty much, like I said, I'm great at peer pressure. And I pretty much was like, yo, we're doing this two day trip. We're fucking stopping at the Grand Canyon. Like, <laughs> I don't know how, but we're going to make some time. And yeah, we, we are like, we're in the- Montana. They're like, we're not going <laughs> to, no, where well, were we, you guys going? We were going to uh, Bishop, California. Oh, okay, so cool. So basically, right. uh, no problem. Yeah, we took the I forty. Yeah, the entire way <laughs> out west, and I'm just looking at the trip, and I'm just you know seeing what all we're gonna go through and pass by. And uh, we go through Arizona, and I look up, and I'm like, wait, we're we're traveling across the continental U.S. like almost you know from from the Mississippi River to almost the West Coast. We have to pass the Grand Canyon at some point. Let me see where it is. It's out there somewhere. It's, you know, yeah. it's out there. It's, it's grand. So, it's big. It's, we're we're going to find it. I looked it up and I'm like, I think it was like, what, an hour and a half off route? Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't more than two hours out of the way. It was like, I think the whole ride there, again, it's two days or we split it up in two days. Whole ride there. I'm like, yo, when, the, when are we going to stop at the Grand Canyon? I was just egging it on just constantly and. On the way back, we were like, all right, let's, let's figure out how we're going to stop at the Grand Canyon. I was like, damn right we are. And I think the first year, because we did that Bishop trip two years in a row, the first year we got there like right at sunset. Uh, we had 10 minutes of light. So, it, and even still, it was like worth it. It was yeah. like two hours off route for like yeah. 15 minutes of actually seeing the Grand Canyon. It was just like, yeah. But you pushing that, like, it changed the way we look at our trips. Yes. And so there were, that first Bishop trip, I think there were 12 of us. And, you know, half of us had climbed before outside, half of us hadn't. Some of us had camped, you know, before. Some of us had never been in a desert. 
But what we all had in common was none of us had been to the Grand Canyon. So we all experienced that for the first time. And that was cool. And then, you know, the second year, we went to the Grand Canyon, but we also hit the Vegas Strip, you know? So before that trip, you know, we would go to closer places and Mm -hmm. go like sport climbing or bouldering. And it was all about just like climbing. But now it's like, no, we've got to add these other experiences because like there's a whole world out there and there's a lot of people that just don't know anything outside of South Memphis or Memphis. And so... Well, it's it's like to to all of us climbers that have been doing it and we have the resources. And, you know, as a younger climber, I had never thought about any of these things like privilege and all that sort of stuff. You just don't. You're 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 just out climbing. You, and, you, and you don't particularly care if other people find climbing. And in fact, sometimes you don't want them to because it's your thing. You've you've found this like secret thing that's yours. And I think yeah. any activity can feel like that. Like skateboarding is ours. And if you if you out there want to find it, great. But we're not we're not going after you. And this has like been a change, I think in the way I've looked at climbing and a lot of people looked at climbing, but the road trip is such a fundamental part of like why I climb and why all my friends climb. And it's like this cultural thing. And aside from the, the day pass for a gym, there's no resources that I take for granted that I can fill my car with gas, that I have a car that I can, I don't have to work or I mean, this, I do now. <laughs> this is in the past, you know. These choices that I've made had a lot to do with where I came from. And it's so cool that not only do you do the trips, but you realize that fundamental part of it is that the volume of climbing, which is probably why you went closer. We can get there sooner. We can do more climbing. And we can come back sooner. And it's cheaper when you do that. Well, and it's cheaper. But then you have this idea of like, well, no, it's the getting there that's awesome. Yeah. and. uh you know, stopping by Carhenge, wherever the hell that is, that's up in Nebraska or something. But, you know, these weird things that you see out there, but then also these beautiful natural places that you see out there. And I just love the fact that you're going to take a bunch of kids or people and, uh, and show that to them. But tell, tell me a little bit about, you know, you're, you're sort of this leader in these groups, sounds like. Um, I mean, what, what are, like, tell me about the experiences these people have as far as, and you guys both answer this. I mean, what do they relate to you uh, after these, these road trips, after these climbing trips out to these places? A lot of our trips always first time for somebody for something. I mean, for camping and for like all these things we just take for so granted as climbers that Yeah, that you I camp. mean, a, like, a, again, like a lot of them is people's first time really getting out of the city. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, me growing up, I got to travel, not a lot, but like I got to see some stuff. So um, I don't know, just seeing somebody get to like their young adult age or like early adulthood and haven't, you know, gotten a chance to get out of their home state is like it's mind boggling. So it's just like the first the the first time experiences, they never get old. You know, just like first time taking somebody climbing. It never gets old. It never gets old. I just wanted to piggyback on that because there's uh there's two Two situations that like always stick with me, and one of them, man, I guess it was back in like 2020, we were at Horse Pens, and one of the guys who used to work with us also grew up in, in South Memphis, and you know, we're sitting around the fire at night, you know, drinking a little whiskey, you know, having a little fun, and he tell, he stands up, and he's like, everybody shut up for a second, and we're like, oh God, what is this? And he was just like thanking everybody for being there. He's like, man, this is the first night of peace that I think I've ever had. 
and he doesn't have to worry about bullets and people kicking in doors, things like that, right? So that was like, that was fucking beautiful. And then um, the second year of the Bishop trip, there was another uh, former employee of ours uh, from the neighborhood. We stopped at the Grand Canyon and then also hit the Vegas Strip on the way to Bishop. And, you know, he, he had never been outside of Memphis. And then he sees all these bright lights, like, in Vegas. And it's just like, oh, my God, there's, like, Memphis is not the only city. And it's just his facial expression, which I wish everybody could see, right? Um, I don't know. It just makes you want to do more for, for people. It's just, like, really special being in those moments. Ty, what was your impression of, and you guys you went to the Buttermilks, the ha- like, bouldering, bouldering trip primarily, I'm sure. But um, what was your impression of that place? Like, that was my, you know, uh, e- even... Even you, this is all new, and, and yeah. you know you probably progressed in your climbing to to thinking about these places, and uh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, like so that was my and rolling up on uh, on that place. Uh, first time in this year in Nevada's, so that was special in its own. Yeah, and it's like I said, like where Memphis is at, there's not really any mountains or anything close by. So every time I get into the mountains landscape, it's just like jawbreaking like i think the first night we got there we got there at night so we pitched up camp at night i get up the next morning and i walk out of my tent and i'm like what the fuck because we we stayed in the uh what was it the, the pits yeah the pits yeah so if you've ever been to bishop and you know where the pits are <laughs> it's a pretty okay campground but the backdrop is they're all just right there and it's just like getting out of my tent first thing in the morning just sitting there i'm just like I still remember it to this day. I was just like, holy fuck. Like, this is what we drove two days for, to just be able to wake up and see this every morning. It never gets old. So you're out there. I mean, is it, you know, you're a diverse group of climbers. You know, we, we've been talking about sort of socioeconomic issues, but then there's also color of your skin issues because the talk, you know, the last few years is how white climbing is and the pushes to bring these other faces into it. So what is that like? You know, Malik, oh, <laughs> Malik is, uh, I've talked to him. He's from your neighborhood. He talks about like kind of breaking these molds, walking into these spaces and, and, and I mean, pushing into these spaces is kind of part of his vibe. Like I'm going to be here and I'm going to be me and, and you guys have to deal with it. Yeah. But he's also talked about, you know, not just not climbing necessarily, but even just traveling across these places uh, getting out of gas stations uh, in in yes. places in Wyoming and stuff like that. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that and and how you guys confront that and if it's been issue within climbing or is it sort of like again these these places that you are. Yeah. Um, um, it's always a trip. It's always funny because we always notice it whenever we go traveling all together. Like people just look at us because we're like this group half black half white or you know, whatever. And it always just attract people just look like, where are they coming from? And we always get it. Like, we'll go out to eat or we'll be at a gas station or something. That, and it's like, they just can't resist ask. So where are you guys from? And we're just like, Memphis. And they're always like, oh, I've heard about that place. And then they just, it's always funny because they either get really scared or like, you can tell they're like kind of shaken up that we're from Memphis or just, they just, I don't know. You, it's always a funny reaction, to say the least. 
You remember the the record scratching incident in Texas at Whataburger <laughs> when we walked in the door? No, I don't know if you were in that. I think you might have gone. I to, yeah, I wouldn't have walked into a Whataburger. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> it was interesting. We uh, we walked in and uh, we ended up back across the street at Chick Fil A. It was uh, it was crazy. So yeah, like it, record scratching is in it like. And everybody just stops. <laughs> Music stops. Somebody's yep. glass hits the ground. And it was small town Texas. <laughs> Do we stop in Amarillo? Maybe. I, I don't know. It's I don't know where it was. Town, it was town, yeah. Yeah, it's in Texas. So yeah, to say the least, we always notice it. Um, I don't know. We just kind of learn to embrace it. You know, we're not trying to come make anybody uncomfortable. We're just trying to, you know, enjoy the space just as much as the next. Enjoy so that's what we try to do. Right. Just enjoy ourselves. If we make you uncomfortable just from walking into a Whataburger, I'm sorry, not really, but no, don't be sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, fuck those people. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, I get it, and it's it's got to be comfortable, more comfortable in a group. I mean, you guys, you know, you're yeah, you're, you have each other versus if you are out there with one other person or by yourself. You it know, definitely makes the, those uncomfortable situations a lot, you know, more more easy to forget and you know just we're on the road we're at whatever we're gonna move on when you have somebody to rely on you know you can fall back and be like did you really just see that happen and they're like yeah you know it's just like i don't know when you have somebody to like help confirm that you know what you just experienced was racism or prejudice whatever it was it just makes it easier to move on from instead of feeling like you're in it alone you couldn't confirm that someone got up and said something specifically racist to you, but you know it's happening. It's and and that's kind of this like part of this conversation that's so frustrating sometimes with people who don't get that you know it's happening even though you can't cite the specific thing that happened. And I think that was what was Malik was getting at. You just know, you feel it. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I've I've mentioned a couple times like two summer two summers ago I went to to tent sleep um with my family you know and it's like you get there and there's like you know right on the road you know these the family values people have a fuck biden flag up yeah which again is not overtly racist but there's this undertone there we know yeah we know exactly <laughs> and they know we know and they put it there so we would know and so it's like as a climber coming there that's that's you know uh, whatever diff brown climber coming there it's like okay this is this is the vibe here like you know what i mean and, and again like well no he just that person just disagrees with biden's policies it's like yeah maybe you know but so it's fuck yeah the guy really right like right and, and and that's the other thing it's like oh yeah thanks my you know it's like driving by with my seven-year-old appreciate it you know like <laughs> thanks for or on the back of your truck or whatever so but but yeah so it's it's a it's a kind of this fascinating thing what about climbing I mean, again, so the same group of people that shut up the Whataburger uh, rolls up to the buttermilks. Um, I can't say that we've right. had any weird experience climbing. Yeah, there, there was no? one incident that uh, somebody said something about Memphis oh, okay. uh, in a negative manner that was coming across a bit racist. But it's funny because Germond actually pulled me back because like, he was the one that was the target in that comment, but he was also the one that talked me down from fighting this guy. It's like, Oh, you know, it's like, no, nah, man, you don't have to worry about it. You know, like 
they're just going to be them. We're going to be us and we're here to have fun. So there's no reason to have that conflict, which was, I don't know. It was a pretty interesting moment. But yeah, I wanted to fight him. <laughs> it's a good call that he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't need some sort of national incident or climbing incident kind of thing. Like <laughs> general manager of Memphis Rocks, like punches <laughs> out guy at Buttermilk's like, we're we'll be good. the most. Oh, this, this, was in, uh, this was in Utah. Okay. Well, yeah. All right, then. Makes yeah little more sense but it's yeah. it's everywhere um yeah i mean that's the impression that i get it's overt comments and things are sort of more rare than just again like oh who are these people yeah which can feel like who are these people can feel like it has again that basis to it but sometimes mm -hmm. it's just literally uh, it's in you know we are not used to it like yeah if you I guys know. rolled into rifle like that's where i climb I would be curious and would my curious curiosity come across as like negative, but I'd be like, I would come over and be like, where are you guys from? And no, I get, but that. we, we walk this line now. That's kind of interesting because I would be like, where are you guys from? Genuinely? Like, where are you from? Because I like to find out where you guys are from and it's not like you shouldn't be here. No. Yeah. And so it's kind of like you got to have a feel it out as to what what the sort of intentions are, I think. I think after a number of trips, we've learned to realize, like, yeah, we are going to stand out mm -hmm. wherever we go. But it's okay for people to just be curious. I think part of that just comes based off body language and mm -hmm. how you come across. Yeah, like, sure. Your curiosity, you know, like, I understand it. You know, yeah, you probably don't like even when we go to Bishop, it's not a very, it's predominantly white city, not very much diverse in it so whenever we go there you know we do get some head turns but it's it's not always the why are you here head turns mm -hmm. the oh like i'm glad to have you here where are you coming from right more so of things yeah so, yeah it's funny because it's like yeah it's a fine line isn't it i mean so I, I mean i've talked to drew halsey and he's sort of the self-pronounced fat climber yeah right i mean he and i'm not you know don't get on me that's what he calls himself no, yeah he, yeah, he, he embraces he, it yeah and he knows too that he stands out and he understands that and and so he also is going to get heads turning because it's like a different but that's like his purpose and in some ways i think that's you know memphis rocks has this outreach program the idea of getting these underserved communities so unfortunately and i don't know how you i actually want to ask you how you feel about this because you're you're so involved that you're you've been put into this position as an ambassador mm -hmm. and with that comes this you know they're going to ask you to go out into the world and to maybe be in these uncomfortable situations yeah um but it's almost like your job in a way is to is to make us feel or make it usual yeah is eventually like the goal right to make it usual and to make, we, yeah and then we don't hey where are these guys from kind of a thing i mean how do you feel about that i mean do you feel okay with like being a little bit of the 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 sort of vanguard of like putting this impression out there and taking sort of the heat at Whataburger or wherever? Me personally, I don't, I don't care for a lot of attention. Right. And so, well, thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> John kind of forced you. That's okay. Um, it's always <laughs> weird. Cause it happened on this trip where it's like, um, I'm in this space and somebody sees me and they're like, Hey, were you that guy on black eyes? I'm like, yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's weird because it's like a lot of people know me before I know them and, right. you know, recognize, me. but, do I mind being an ambassador? No, because it's like, it's more just about representing rocks. It's also about representing the city. I don't feel like, 
Like, I'm a pretty straightforward person. If I feel like socializing, I'm going to socialize, and, you know, we can get to know each other. So it's, it's never like I've been feeling like I'm in a situation where I'm, like, forced to be in, you know? Like, John asked me to do this, you know? Didn't feel any pressure to do it. I was just like, sure. You like your job, you'll do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's been interesting just, like, uh, the more that people associate me with rocks and just, like, whenever I'm in an outdoor space. I don't mind it. Well, he, he handles it with a lot of grace and dignity as well. A lot of times when people get attention, they, uh, their personality changes a bit. But uh, I don't know. I'm just stoked to see him uh, be that vanguard that you're talking about. Can't happen to a better person. So. And I asked you about like why climbing you know, grabbed you. And there was something in you that, that was already there that made your interest happen. And then with leadership, and you're a leader. I don't know if you feel that way. But leadership also is something that not everybody is willing to take on. And you may feel, I think you may feel like you didn't choose it, but it, you didn't also arrive here because of, for no reason. So, yeah. I mean, I sort of applaud you in that sense of, you know, you're, you're a leader and you may Thank not you. want to feel like that, but, you know, you're here, you're a coach. I mean, you're a leader of those kids or whoever you're coaching. So um, there's something in you that, that draws you to it. That's that's something else I've had to learn to embrace because a lot of people may know Aiden or definitely if you've been a rock, you know Aiden. And he kind of looked up to me uh, early on meeting me and I was just like, man, this kid, I can tell that this kid looks up to me, but like, I don't want to be a role model. Like, I'm still figuring out life and things myself. And it's just learning to cope with that and balance with that and just being like, okay, I might not have everything figured out, but you know, I can share what little I do know. So not everybody's going to be a, a Michael Jordan role model. But just, you know, given what you do have is really all that matters. Let's pitch it, John. How do people uh, get involved with Memphis Rocks and help you guys out? You can go to memphisrocks.org and hit that Donate Now button. We would love to increase our sustaining donor members or our monthly uh, members costs a lot of, to run our organization and uh we need all the help we can get yeah and it's like you can sign up for for you know 10 bucks a month 20 bucks whatever and i just always think about especially how much like going out to dinner costs now like yeah it's just like yeah i mean even skip, a cup of coffee I, I always just say skip the apps yeah because you fill up too much anyway and then there's too much food so skip the apps give that money to Memphis rocks. And it's like, it's like nothing happened. It's like, it was free. Won't even know it was gone. Yeah. The calamari is always like too, too greasy anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know if you can get calamari for 10 bucks anymore. Yeah. 20. Yeah. So, I mean, you the $10 know, $10 one are, are, uh, are pig buttholes. Do you oh, know about yeah. that? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Look it up. Um, <laughs> and also like, you know, tell your friends to donate too, because yeah. the more people that contribute, you know, not only can we sustain what we're doing now, we can do more. Mm -hmm. And we're always looking to do more, but we can't take anything on without financial resources. Yeah, and the industry can always step up more too. Y yes, I will say we've had some really good yeah. sponsors and partners, but there's some more out there that we yeah. would really like to... Well, call them out. Who's, who's been good? Who's been helping out? Oh, the good... Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, so, not call them out bad, but yeah. I mean... Shout them out, sorry. Yeah, shout I mean, out. we'll definitely... We'll, Shout out North Face has been a big part of working with us. Black Diamond, Yeti, uh, Scarpa, Sportiva, a lot of other companies. Yeah. And, you know, they can't always give cash. Um, you know, we, we've got to 
a lot of gear donations that we yeah. use for our trips. But and I'm sure I'm forgetting some folks. You know, we're. I hope you forgive me. Climbing for Change has done a lot with us as well, um, and you know, we hope to continue those relationships and also uh, gain more. Let's get a Microsoft or somebody on board, right? Some like big money. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be really nice. I, I think we tried uh, reaching out to what's her name, Mackenzie uh, Bezos' uh, ex-wife when she oh, was yeah. giving out all that money, but yeah. you know, had couldn't penetrate that one. I mean, she'd be able to fund us for a decade, you know, off yeah. of an interest. hour's worth of yeah. her interest. Right. Um, all right, last question for you, Ty. Yeah. I would ask you if like, you know, what your impression with the buttermilks are. Um, and you were able to influence the uh the Grand Canyon side trip. So if you're gonna influence the next big Memphis Rocks road trip, where where do you want them to go? If if you could go anywhere. anywhere. I'll even get on an airplane. Like what? Anywhere. What's the place you dream of visiting? So you're talking about airplane funding? Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> um, as soon as I get off this, I'm calling uh, the Bezos lady. I got her number. Oh, sweet. It's hard to say because uh, I don't know. We just had a crew who had the luxury I wasn't able to go, and I'm still jealous of them. But they were able to go to Africa and go climb Mount Kenya. So was that with like Genevieve and those guys? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, the next big target we could go for is like probably Patagonia. Um, Patagonia? Yeah. Dude, you're stepping it up from the buttermilks. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't step down. So here's the thing. How about Fontainebleau? No. I think with, well, yeah, yeah. But so a lot of like, like the Bishop and the Joe's Valley Fest and those things are bouldering. Yeah. And that's because like I was like pushing the button on that because I'm a boulder, but I'll have to step back. So, uh, there can be more rope adventures and mountaineering adventures. Yeah, I mean, but bouldering's just a, is also an accessible, you know, it's like the soccer of, of climbing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need the least amount of gear. Like soccer is super popular around the world because it doesn't take anything. Ball. Yeah, yeah balling in that. And you make it out of rags if you have to. And bouldering's a little bit like that as far as climbing is concerned. It's the least gear intensive and, and instruction intensive. But, uh, but that's cool, yeah. Dang, Patagonia would be fun. Memphis Rocks, Patagonia. 2025 maybe patagonia can fund it (laughs) all right folks thanks for listening and thanks to john and ty for coming over to the hotel hooking it up they walked in out of a pouring rain like just full-on downpour in the middle of february it was People kept their spirits up, though. They kept their spirits up. We all kept our spirits up. So once again, if you want to check out Memphis Rocks, even if you just want to have a look, there's a bunch of media over there, a nice little film with Ty in it that uh, does more background on him showing up at the gym. You can find that all at memphisrocks.org. I'll put it over there on the website. But you know what? You guys are big kids. Like The whole show notes thing, I don't always know what that's for because by the time you go over there and click on it you could have just googled it but it's there come to my website no one comes to my website why would you go to the website you listen to it on uh, spotify or whatever okay it's now march 1st a whole day has passed since i did the intro and hey get out there at least in north america springtime is springing the desert becomes perfect in march these days And of course, don't forget to check your knots.
Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering.